The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What is going on, Angel fans? This is Daniel Garcia, and you're listening to the All Angels Podcast. It's me and the curator today. No Johnny Max. Curator, say what's up. What is up? So, um, same thing as normal. We're going to run through the week in review. Then afterwards, we are going to have a Joe Adele interview. We caught up with him a couple, uh, couple days ago, uh, back from the Futures game. Um, then, you know, big Gooby interview we did last week. Um, we'll have the poll question we'll have the emails and we'll talk about the big news. Uh, if you haven't heard, um, a little bit later on in the day, but, or in the podcast, but first let's get to the weekend review. So last time we did the podcast was on a Thursday. So now we're on Friday. We'll go to the day after the Friday, uh, the 20th of July, which I believe was the opening day, opening game of the Astro series. Correct. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Skaggs on the mound. Another, you know, pretty good performance. You know, six innings, three earned runs. Um, but again, the the Angels lose to the Astros three to one. Um, I guess a big part to take away from this game was that the Angels were being no hit for the first six and two third innings as the offense continues to struggle. Or I don't even know so much as it's a struggle as is um, being consistent day in and day out. Um, that has been the big Achilles heel for the Angels, you know, almost the whole season. Um, but like I said, they fall to the Astros 3-1. to one. Um, Skag's pretty good. Nothing too great uh, other than that. So we'll just go to Saturday, July 21st, against the Astros again. Um, they lose 7-0, to zero, again, as the offense continues to struggle. Um, they were playing Verlander. Verlander kind of was doing his Verlander things. He seems to always pitch well against the angels every single time um you see him on the mound in angel stadium or even in houston um tropiano was the angel starting pitcher gave one run over five innings so it wasn't too bad um give two runs one earn so again pitching five innings you, you know you're not crazy about but he's not giving up a ton of runs i think it was more of a pitch count deal and then the score being what it was so that's two games lost to the Astros as the weekend stars. And again, if they wanted to make a move, whether it's buyers or sellers in the market, you know, this first kind of series last weekend was going to be a big deal as far as um, what part of that they were going to fall on. So now fast forward to Sunday, July 22nd uh, against the Astros, the last game of the series. Um, and then for whatever reason, the bats woke up as a 14 to five win. Um, over the Astros, Haney threw six innings, gave up one run. You had home runs from Upton, Cole, and Ian Kinsler. So, again, it seems like almost home run or nothing but the Angels. Yeah, and it's kind of funny to think about. We out, I think we outscored the Astros for the whole series, but we only took one out of those three. So, 
like you said, them and the bats were just so stagnant. Nobody know where knew where they went, and then all of a sudden they woke up and put up fourteen runs. It's just uh, yeah. I, I mean, wish we could just a little spread those things out. Yeah, and, uh, it just seems like they come in, in in one big wave, and then they're going to disappear, which kind of exactly what happened here. Again, scored fourteen runs on Sunday, and then now you go to Monday against Chicago White Sox, and theoretically. This should be a team they get three out of four, if not sweep completely. They are White Sox have nothing to play for. Um, I believe they're in the bottom of their division, but they come out and can only score three runs. Angels lose five to three. Um, the big thing I took away from this was um, Trout. His his line. If you look at his line for this game, zero for zero, four walks, one sack fly. I guess he can't beat you if uh, he doesn't get a chance to. So. That was a big thing. Um, you know, Jaime pitched, pitched five innings, uh, four earned runs down. So, again, not a great outing by him. But I kind of feel maybe he might be hitting kind of a wall. Um, again, he's only 21 years old, his first full season as a pitcher. So um, there were reports coming in after the game that he was a little bit tired because this was his first start back after the All-Star break. So he wasn't he didn't pitch at all, even though he got quote-unquote um, – sent down to single a uh Ellen empire he never actually made a start so um yeah so you know it could have been fatigue could have been just trying to get everything work but you know he is 21 he is trying to get his uh i guess mojo back or just you know he hits a wall it happens yeah, what were you doing when you were 21 not pitching in the majors that's for sure yeah, that's crazy. just uh, a lot of the guys that we interview I meant like Joe Adele, like Daniel was interviewing him and you're going to hear the interview today, but just thinking about somebody that's a year removed from high school and the maturity level. And I just, uh, yeah, I just look back at my own life. I'm like, wow, that wasn't me when I was high school. That wasn't me when I was like 27, let alone 21. I'm still trying to get still trying to get together here. So, but it's just remarkable the poise and the maturity that a lot of these guys show and being 21 years old in the major leagues, we're seeing them come up um, sooner and sooner every year, um, you know, with Trout and the Harpers. And that's the new thing. They're rushing them through the minors. And especially when a team needs some arms, they'll move you up quick. So, Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's a great point. You see that kind of the trend in baseball today. So now going to Tuesday, July 24th. Again, another game where the offense struggles. I mean, you score 14 against the Astros. You think, oh, we, we should be good for five or six against the White Sox. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, Tuesday they struggle with a loss, uh, losing four to two. Um, Upton comes up in some critical situations and not able to cash in. He continues um, to that point to struggle with runners in scoring position, and he is a guy. And it's funny, like I don't know if you noticed this, Chris, but um, online and stuff like that on on blogs or on um, uh, like fan sites or whatever, you see guys last year when they signed up and everyone or even this offseason when they re-signed them everyone's loving the loving it loving it oh he's gonna be our missing piece he's gonna be this and now mm-hmm. it's like oh he's a bum why is he even in there why is he batting where he's batting put him down in the lineup it's kind of like you were cool with it you know five yeah. six months ago and now the typical fans especially uh I hate to say it angels fans yeah it's, it, you, <laughs> gotta, you gotta see the whole picture sometimes and you know people are gonna struggle is he having a bad year yeah but yeah his counting stats are not bad at all. He just kind of the situational yeah, I, deal. I think, yeah, situational hitting. And also, I think just defensively, he's just down. I mean, he looks lost out there sometimes. And last year, he was in you know in the running for a gold glove award. So it's like, what happened? What Where's the disconnect between and, and last it's, year? And it's funny, though, too, because 
I was watching the game last night on Wednesday night, and they had a they had him in the outfield and they put up one of those little information bars. He he is second on the team with outfield assists, <laughs> just behind Cole Calhoun. And by one, I think Cole has like seven or eight, and uh, Upton has uh, you know one less than him. So it's not like he's not making some plays now. Does that mean he's bobbling the ball and the guy tries to pull a uh, push a single into a double and he throws him out? I don't know, but it's kind of weird that he just looks so lost up there sometimes. Like he's not sure about the configuration of the outfield because there's been times where he's running, it looks like he's gonna, he can make a play, and then the last minute he kind of takes his eye off of it because he's not sure where the wall is, and you kind of think um, this being the first full season and you know part of last season with the Angels that he would be able to kind of know where he is in the wall like on a road game i understand because you're not there a whole lot but when you are consistently playing with the angels you i would think you would know where where the wall is and how everything goes but you know he's continues to struggle he had a pretty good game today but we'll get that to that in a little bit um now go fast forward to wednesday july 25th um a big win for the angels finally breaking that um two game losing streak against a team like we said before they should literally you know, realistically get three out of four, if not four out of four. Um, Skaggs continues his, um, his, you know, his ace-like dominance right now. He's making a strong case for it going uh, six innings, one earned run, two runs overall. Um, but big story again, um, offense wakes up 11 runs. So they went 11 to three. Um, how did you feel pregame Sosha moving Otani up to that second spot? I liked it. I think it worked out. Obviously, we see it in the you know the box score. I'm um, just kind of mixing things up. I know Sosha is always criticized for moving, you know, switching up the lineup all the time. But, but then know, also at, he's at a, such... at a time like this, I feel like you need to do something. And then Trout just doesn't have anyone on, and just adding extra protection in the lineup. So Tony's starting to swing it. Uh, he looks pretty bad. When he's facing a, a lefty, he's bailing out a little bit more, and he just looks he looks lost. But um, I don't know. I'm fine with it. Yeah, it's kind of fun, like you were saying with the Sosha thing. Um, you see people complain about, oh, he doesn't change it up enough. And then you see other people say he changed it too much. Just leave it be and let it work itself out and stuff like that. So, again, it's a no-win situation. But Otani batted second. He would later on, um, I believe he homered in that game. Uh, Trout doing Trout things, homering twice in that game. And Albert Pujols also homering, passing Ken Griffey Jr., one of my favorite uh, players growing up. And we're actually uh, doing this podcast live from San Manuel Stadium. So it works out perfect. City, beautiful city of San Bernardino, California, um, which uh, Ken Griffey Jr. played for the San Bernardino Spirit, but he didn't play at this exact stadium. We're about, uh, I'd say about two miles from Fiscalini Field, which I, I sent it. I was actually right by it the other day, and I took a picture, and I sent it to Daniel and to John saying, you know, this is where Ken Griffey played and all that. And actually on the wall here, on the outfield wall, you'll see Ken Griffey Jr.'s number retired. So there's a little short anecdote about the San Bernardino it works minor all, league franchise. It, it all yeah. comes full circle. And then they did give away a Griffey Jr. bobblehead last year for his Hall of Fame uh, induction. Um, and then you had a afternoon game earlier today. We are recording this Thursday afternoon. Um, so the game has just finished uh, probably no more than an hour and a half ago. But another big win, another big outburst by the Angels winning 12-8. to against the Sox splitting that series. Um, the big news coming into today was the Martin Maldonado trade, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Francisco Arcia, 12 years in the minor leagues, makes Ooh. his MLB debut today as a catcher for the Angels. 
and hits a home run. So great beginning to uh, Angel career, maybe, but definitely a way you want to start out. Um, Cole also hit his 11th home run. Um, I mean, Cole has, over the last 30 games, he has 10 home runs. Um, so, again, Cole seems to be working his way back into into the groove of things. I don't know if you saw, but did you see uh, Andrelton Simmons' Little League home run in the fifth? I was actually driving home on the radio, and I heard, I turned it on, and right when I turned it on, I heard the play-by-play, which was wacky, especially when you're not seeing the visual. You're just like, and it goes through, and then there's, and then they overthrow it, and then they, they over, you know, they throw th- overthrow home, and then Simmons comes in. And I'm like, it, yeah, it sounded like that little league, uh, you know, all the parents yeah, running around and the, were, everyone's chasing after a ball, kind of. Deal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's always those make it a little bit fun. Uh, Tropiano was a starting pitcher. He went six and a third, and I guess if this isn't modern baseball, he gives up five hits, all five hits solo home runs. So, I mean, other than that, he did awesome. Uh, just the long ball, I guess, in that situation, you're happy that it is just a um, just solo shots. You don't want anything more than that. Um, but, again, so uh, they finished the series splitting with the White Sox where you realistically wanted three out of four, four out of four. Um, they lose two out of three against the Astros. Um, so in that week, they went three and four. That now has their record at 52 and 52. Um Still 15 games back of the division, 10 games back of the uh, second wild card spot. So still quite a bit of work to do if the Angels want to seriously make some kind. Oh, and there's the horn. Again, like you said, we're at San Bernardino's uh, Sam and Wells Stadium here for Kukui night. So we're doing the podcast uh, in the press box right by where they do the um, all the PA and obviously the horn sound effects. So anyways, so that was the weekend review. Um, not exactly what you wanted, but, you know, they're going to have chances coming up against Seattle, against Tampa Bay, um, both teams ahead of them in the wild card. You also have the trade deadline. So by next time, by this time next week, there will be um, more trades probably made and they're going to come to light. So, again, um, three and four two and uh, 52 and 52 overall, um, you know, but. It, it is what it is. Angels are working its way and getting some contributions from some guys that haven't got, hadn't made contributions throughout the year. So, like Chris said earlier, we are at Inland Empire 66ers, and we were here Tuesday. And if you guys uh, follow us on Instagram, which you should, you saw a little snippet of the interview I did with the Angels' number one prospect, Joe Adele. Um, as he this, That was his first game back from the Futures game. So, um, I was able to talk with him for a quick second before the game and this is what he had to say all right we're here with the angels number one prospect joe adele first home game back since the futures game so let me uh tell me how was that Man, it was a blast i mean talking about you know the best best players you know minor league baseball you know all in one spot and dc couldn't have been a better host this year and, and really just soaked it all in it was a lot of fun uh, i got to see a lot of the guys that i knew and right. played against and with for a while so uh it's a pretty awesome event were you able to get out and, and check out the city at all um, before the game, or were you just kind of there for the game and then you got out? Uh, the day before, I got to go out and kind of check it out and, and you know, see all the monuments and everything. It was, it was pretty unreal. I mean, uh, it's a very, very special place, you know what I mean? And I was, I was just glad to be a part of it. Um, Angel favorite, Tory Hunter, was your manager um, for that game. And they had a, I don't know if you saw it, but they had a segment where he was mic'd up during the game. Some of the guys were hitting home runs. How was he as a manager? How was he just in that whole experience? Uh, he was the best. I mean, you know, he, he kept it loose, kept it fun, uh, you know, really encouraging the boys and, 
and uh, you know he, it was like he was a kid at Christmas almost. You know what I mean? Got to manage you know a USA team and, and kind of do that whole deal. But uh, you know it's awesome to uh, you know have him as the head coach for that. You know Bing and you know the fact that I already know him and know his son, right. so it's cool. Yeah. So I guess uh, one of the questions I want to ask. Uh, Taylor Trammell, the one that won the MVP, when he gave you that uh, the two sign for that home run that almost got to end up being a triple, what happened when you got back? I mean, we saw a little bit of it on TV, but what what happened in the dugout when he when he came back in? Uh, he definitely got worked a little bit by the guys, uh, but but man, that was uh, that was awesome. Just a lot of energy. I mean, you wouldn't have expected guys to be hitting balls and, and jumping around and putting up the deuce signs and coming <laughs> out of the dugout and doing all that type of thing. But uh, we we had a lot of fun. He's an, he's an awesome player, man, and even better teammates so uh no it was, it was pretty cool though and then last question is um this is you know you're halfway through the season your first professional full season how are you feeling physically you know are, are you bouncing back do you think you hit a wall and you recovered or, or how do you feel uh you know this is the uh this is the dog days right here i mean it's the grind part that we talk about all the time and that i talk about i mean you know for me it's it's just continuing to make sure that i'm trying to take care of the things i need to take care of body wise you know, and not get lazy with it. It's pretty easy this type of season just to want to show up an hour before the game starts and do that type of thing. But, you know, really just trying to focus in on, you know, taking care of my stuff, taking care of what I need to take care of, just like I would at the beginning of the season and, you know, uh, you know, finish these 30 or so games strong. All right, cool. Thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, thank again to Joe Adele for the quick little interview pregame on Tuesday. Uh, Chris was there. What did you think, Chris, about what he had to say about the, the Futures game? Uh, no, I just think, uh, you know, it's it's awesome to have that representation for the Angels franchise and to have it from your the guy that you drafted number one last year and just to see how how quickly he's kind of taken the minor league system by storm and just to go up there. I mean, he had a good showing in the Futures game. And again, we're just talking about the maturity of Joe Adele. Um, and I mean, we've seen him down here, you know, quite a bit. Down yeah, at, quite a bit, know, almost in, the full season. Yeah, Empire. He's already up at high A, and he's crushing the ball like he's mashing it. We were down in the dugout, and when you're in the dugout or, or anywhere actually at this park, you hear that ball off the bat. Like we saw him put a ball over like the the batter's eye over that Budweiser sign there a few you know a few weeks back. So I mean, and just for the guy, I mean, I know. We want to get our interview, and he needs to get his pregame workout in. But for him to still take some time, I mean, yeah, he's he's still young. He's he's not jaded yet, but yeah, he's still you know seems he's a humble he's a humble dude. And I was watching the Angels post game show, um, and they interviewed him after the Futures game. His family he just seems like you know someone that I just can't wait to see in an Angels uniform. And I don't know the way he's the way it's going. It's going to be sooner than later. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, he. I, I think because the season's almost done here as it is, he'll probably end up finishing the season here. Uh, I don't see him being here next year when the season starts. If he is, it's going to be. I don't even know if he's going to make it. I just, I just don't know just, in, just because know? their season's almost done. So I don't know. Maybe it, towards the end, if, if maybe the double A team is, is making a push for the playoffs, maybe. But um, yeah, they only have until, I mean, they have until August, a full month of August, and that's about it. So. A um, little bit of games in September, but that's you it. You bust out that uh, that baseball to get. I know. Next time, next off. time, maybe in our uh, announcement at the end, we'll uh, we'll talk about our Halo Haven announcement here. I'll do it then. But anyway, so yeah, that was Joe Adele. Uh, thanks again for his time with uh, the interview before, before the game. All right, so we'll be uh, do the commercials real quick, and then we are coming back with the infamous. Um, 
often duplicated or often imitated, never duplicated the curator's chronicles. So hang oh, tight. Give me too much credit. Yeah, there you go. So hang tight and we'll be back after this. Hey, hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Hook Vicious. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. And we are back. Again, thank you to our sponsors. We ask your the listeners, help us, um, you know, for people that sponsor the show, help the people that help us. But again, thank you for the sponsors and everything. So now... With no, without further ado, here is Chris, the Curator Johnson, with this week's Curator's Chronicles. Go ahead. This is the Curator back with another edition of the Curator's Chronicles. Uh, this edition comes from the great year of 2004, so uh, not, too, not too far back. Actually, whoa. That's actually, what, 14 years ago? It's longer than you think. Jeez, I felt like this just happened yesterday because I was actually at this. Do you make, does that make you feel old now? <laughs> I do feel old. So 2004, July 27th. I know it's the 26th right now as we record this. But uh, July 27th in Angel's History, this day in Angel's History. This comes from a book called The Angel's Journal from uh, John Snyder. But Bartolo Colon pitched seven innings, Francisco Rodriguez one inning, and Troy Percival one inning combined on a one-hitter to defeat the Rangers 2-0 to at Angel Stadium. The only Texas hit was by a single by Matt Young in the third inning. Jose Guillen had a hand in both runs. In the fourth inning, Guillen doubled in a run and scored on Rob Quinlan's single. Here's, here's where it gets interesting, especially with that rivalry that really developed within those years with the Texas Rangers. Before the game, a fight broke out between Adam Kennedy, Riverside Zone, and Texas catcher Gerald Laird, a carryover from their dispute the night before. Riverside Laird don't play none. claimed that Kennedy attempted to be hit by a pitch with the bases loaded and said something to Kennedy before his next plate appearance. They clashed near the batting cage prior to the July 27th contest, and soon all players from both teams were involved before tempers cooled. I actually went to batting practice. Um, It was back in the day where you could actually go to the Angels batting practice if you got there early enough. And um, just being a big fan of Adam Kennedy, um, also, you know, obviously the 2002 success, but he grew up in Riverside. And, uh, you know, we did the podcast out of Riverside. So I just remember being at batting practice, looking over and seeing Kennedy and Gerald Laird, like, wrestling on the ground. Like, it it was was quite the sight to see. 
Um, and you just don't expect a kind of like a, you know, someone to accost someone during batting practice. Now you see guys like from other teams going out there and, you know, shaking hands and giving. Yeah. It's it's almost become too friendly of a game. Some people say that too. Some people like the old school rivalry, but, uh, yeah, that I know. And as you say that, even though it was, would you say 2000 or 2004, it, that's that doesn't seem that far because a lot of those names in there, the uh, guys you're talking about, everyone remembers. Every, all yeah, people those are remember. names I met. Bartolo Colon still pitching in the in the big leagues. So. God, I know that's isn't that crazy, dude? It's still getting it done. Um, you know, speaking with John, you know, John was talking yesterday when we went to pick up the mics. Uh, he was talking about how um, Kennedy is going to be doing, I think, the pregame on Fox Sports West. <laughs> Because Gooby and Rojas are going to be back in Cooperstown this weekend. Oh, okay. When Vlad gets inducted, so that's going to be interesting to actually hear. You know, yeah, let's see how uh, he works. Maybe just hopefully Gerald Laird. Actually, you know, I hope Gerald Laird is within the vicinity. vicinity. A, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another big thing with uh, Vlad going into the Hall of Fame. Um, anything that stands out with from you with Vlad and his Angel career. I just remember um, when he came over, it was a time where the Angels really still didn't sign that big free agent. We signed Mo Vaughn, late 90s, but we never could like go out there and attract like a big free agent to Anaheim. And so when Vlad came over, you're like, wow. And just like that pure raw talent, um, sometimes it wasn't refined as much as you would have liked. But, you know, a guy that was a free swinger, a free thrower, he had such a cannon in the outfield. Today, Sosha was on high heat um, with, uh, I think, Vaskurgeon was actually running the high heat show on the MLB network, and he was talking to Mike Sosha, and Mike Sosha talked about how he never could hit his cutoff man because <laughs> he had such a good arm that he just didn't want, he, <laughs> he couldn't, like, harness that, that power, and nor did he really want to hit his cutoff man, you know, so, hey. But um, I mean, it's good to see an angel actually go finally, in, yeah, go in the Hall of Fame. This is you know the first player we've ever had to go in donning that you know the angel logo. That's awesome. And, you know, that's also that's so cool that they're able. We I shouldn't say we. I think you and John were more talking about it earlier in the year about making a trip out there. Unfortunately, um, none of us are going to be out there. Um, it kind of sucks, but we'll uh, definitely be watching on TV. I can I can guarantee that. And then you know, um, a good buddy of ours, I guess, or, or not good buddy, I guess, a new buddy of ours, um, Jose Moda, um, will be there as his translator at the Hall of Fame. So again, he's going to be out there watching Vlad um, be enshrined in Cooperstown. I think that's really cool. And um, we did an interview with Jose uh, a couple days ago. We'll play in the probably next week but he did have some stories about vlad and um i think it's only appropriate we'll play it the day before we go to the angel stadium to go pick up a vlad hall of fame bobblehead so that's something to look forward to next week um so again now moving forward we were very fortunate not only with jose on monday but on saturday we were able to all get together saturday morning at halo haven um make a phone call and who's on the other side of the line um fox sports west very own mark gubaza um he's doing he does the color commentary for the games now for the angels um if you listen to any kind of angel game within the last handful of years you know who he is so 
we, he was able to take some time out with us and was able to, you know, um, answer some questions, told a couple stories. So again, uh, very fortunate for us that he was able to uh, make some time for us. And so here is the interview. So today's guest on the All Angels podcast, we have the honor of having Mark Gubizov, former Halo and Angels uh, TV announcer. Gooby, welcome to the show. Hey guys, what's going on? So one of the first questions we wanted to ask, you know, now that the all-star break is over and now maybe the next big thing in the baseball season is the trade deadline with the angels being where they are in the, in the record. Uh, do you believe they will be uh, buyers or sellers when it comes down to the trade deadline? Yeah. You know what? That, that's a great question. And you know, it is uh, obviously as a fan of the angels and working and doing the TV stuff, you would like to think in terms of adding players, you know, to make a push for the, for the postseason. you know, Seattle and Oakland, you know, who they're battling for that second wild card spot. And, you know, they've, Oakland's been playing great. Seattle's kind of taking a step back here and there. So you always feel, you know, you have a chance. You're, you're looking forward to a winning streak, you know, 13-3 to start the season. Are they still capable of doing that? And in my opinion, there is that strong possibility that could happen. So I, I still think that Billy Upler is going to move towards adding players rather than subtracting some of the players from the major league roster now. You know, we t- we talked to to Trent Rush uh, earlier in the week, and he, we talked a little bit about this. You know, the whole trade deadline and all that good stuff. Uh, Trent seems to believe, and, and as Daniel and I have been talking on the show, this pitching staff, with all the injuries, has kind of overachieved in a way, right? Do you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I mean, it, same thing last year when you think about all the injuries to the pitching staff last season, and the same thing where you know I, I think when you look at the, you know, some of the things that were surprising would have been the offense last year, and I think it's the same thing this year. I think the pitching staff overall, considering how many guys have missed significant time, that I, I think it's really been a pretty positive thing as far as the pitching staff. Now, that being said, I still think there's a lot of issues that have to be addressed as far as the pitching staff. If you want to be a competitive club and, and stay on course with the Houston Astros of the world, the Yankees, the Red Sox, Cleveland, and if you get to the World Series, the other clubs in the National League that are strong on the pitching staff, I think that has to be addressed. There's, as well as it is done, as you know, we mentioned potentially overachieving as far as the pitching staff. I think you have to think in terms of how do you get a staff that continues to, you know, get better and stay healthy, and that's the most important thing. We haven't seen a lot of health as far as the rotation for a number of seasons, even though there was a lot of depth coming into the camp. You know, in, in, in Tempe, and and, that, and certainly that depth has been really tested this year with all the guys going in for surgery. So I guess one of the positive things, pitching staff-wise, is development of all um, Tyler Skaggs and uh, Andrew Haney. You being you know being able to watch them day in and day out. What do you think is the biggest difference from this year to maybe years past? Well, you know, we'll start with Tyler Skaggs. I think even you know watching his game yesterday. Uh, didn't have his best stuff. Even talked to him after the game. And didn't have his best stuff. And the first thing I said to him was, that's the sign of a guy that's developing into an ace. When you don't have your best stuff, you find a way to make a pitch here and there to limit the damage. Yes, he gave up three runs, but but he managed to get into the sixth inning through what he started with. You know, when he gave up a run in the first three innings. You know, Tyler in the past, when something like that would happen, you know, you try to overthrow, you try to make a perfect pitch instead of just still staying within your game plan. You know, those big innings would blow up against him, and, and you're not seeing it anymore. He's been as consistent as anybody, really, in the game over the last seven starts, and really since June for Tyler. Now, Andrew Heaney, I think more 
it's a situation where he's healthy. He feels comfortable attacking hitters. His slider's been great. His changeupper has really developed into a very solid secondary pitch for him. Fastball command's been very good. You know, I've always loved his competitive nature. He's one of those guys where you know he doesn't want to give up a hit during the course of a game. And he's going to compete as well as anybody. And now all of a sudden he's healthy and he's got a good feel for all his pitches going right now. So those two, in my opinion right now, even though we've heard a lot as far as you know, say the Yankees or other clubs interested in them. I, I don't see Billy up there moving either one of them because they're finally getting to that next level where, you know, when you pencil them in in your scorebook, you feel you have a great opportunity to win that night. Yeah, that's that's one that's one of the things that you know I had mentioned in our interview with Trent Rush as well about how Heaney and um, Skaggs are guys that you kind of have to hold on to. You touched on the Angels maybe having to have to improve, maybe picking up another starter along the way, but. That's something that they're going to have to do in the offseason, right? I mean, who's available now that they can kind of go out there and grab before the trade deadline? Yeah, you know, when you look at the names that are, you know, you keep hearing DeGrom for the, for the Mets, maybe Syndergaard for the Mets, it, there really isn't a ton of available pitchers because everyone, everyone's in the same boat. Everyone feels that they're a starter away. You know, the Yankees are going to be huge players in this because, you know, you have Severino, who's an, an incredible you know, ace of your staff, but you have CC Sabathia, who's a warrior in your number two spot as far as potential in, in your rotation in the postseason. If you know, obviously, if they get there and get beyond the, you know, that wild card game, if that's where they're at, that you know, there's going to be every club there is right now, every club that feels they have a chance to win is going to be in that conversation for a starting pitcher. And to get that pitcher, are you willing to trade one of your prospects? Finally, when you look at the Angels organization. In the minor leagues, you have some legit potential stars, and we haven't seen that in a long, long time. And seeing those guys in spring training and and watch them develop as this, you know, their season, the minor league season progresses, you feel really good about the fact that these guys are going to be stars, and you want them to wear, you know, an angel uniform. So at this point, do you are you willing to trade one of those guys away for a pitcher now, or do you wait for the off season where? Free agent, the free agent market develops, and I, I think that's the route they're going to go at this moment. I think if there's any moves made, I think they're going to add depth to the bullpen as far as arms at this point. Like you said, with the minor league uh, arms that the Angels have, we were lucky enough to get an interview with Griffin Canning while he was at uh, Illinois Empire at the very beginning of the year. Are you able to watch someone like that develop in the minor leagues, or do you keep track of someone like that? And if so, what do you think of his development so far? Oh, yeah, my, I think what he's what we're seeing from him is, you know, when he was drafted out of UCLA, and I've, you know, I knew Coach Savage for a long period of time at UCLA, and all the people there, you know, through you know through the years watching him compete, they they love his makeup, they love his stuff. Now, where he's going already is pretty amazing because this is his first full season in professional baseball, and really, when you think about it, you know, they're really being cautious with him, building up the arm strength, not really ex- exceeding pitch counts or even innings with him at this moment, so. He's, he's progressing perfectly. And this fastball, you know, we're talking mid-upper 90s on a consistent basis. But the thing I like about him is he, he has had a pitch already. And I think a lot of that goes to Coach Savage there with UCLA when they, when he brings pitchers in there. And they, and they develop a lot of really good pitchers. And we see that at the major league level from Trevor Bauer to Garrett Cole on fourth. Those guys know how to pitch. They know how to use their changeup. They know how to use their secondary pitches to go along with their very good fastballs and throw strikes. And that's always something he always preached. They're throwing strikes and getting ahead 0-1. And that's what he's been able to do. And, you know, it's funny, just a random story. I was down at Dana Point down there at the beach the other day, and the lifeguard, who was good friends of 
you know, Griffin, and, and they always are in conversation. He, and he's just having a, you know, big conversation recently. He goes, boy, does he feel comfortable and confident that he's going to be wearing that Asian uniform in the very near future. And, and that's what you want, where you don't have a pitcher or a position player that feels overwhelmed that, you know, that they're not going to be able to compete at the major league level. Well, he already has that confidence he's going to do that. So I, I have no question in my mind that he is going to be very good and very competitive and very successful at the major league level. Whether that's next season, whether he gets a call up September, that remains to be seen. Pitching out of the bullpen, which is always a good thing, I think, is getting a chance to, you know, get your feet wet coming out of the bullpen and it's getting a feel for what it takes to face major league hitters. And and, and it's really when you think about it, it's not all that different than the, in the minor leagues. But you're overwhelmed as a youngster. You think it's so hard. If you hit your spots, make your pitches, get ahead of the count, you're going to get anybody out. Yeah, um, you know. To stay on the pitching staff side of things, you know, uh, a guy like Griffin Canning, you know, he we probably won't see him this year, probably maybe next year towards the end of the season. But how surprising has Jaime Maria been to you this season? Love him. You know, the first time I saw him, even in spring training, and even the first day walking around by the dugout at, at, at the Big A, you just knew he had it in him. Even though he was a 21-year-old at that point, that he had a lot of confidence in himself, that he competes well. Certain guys look like they're, they have that look on their face like, wow, I can't believe I'm here. I don't know if I'm good enough to be here. He walked around as if he knew he was good enough to be here. His talent was there. And, and the way he you know, has the ability to throw his changeup. And I remember one point during the season where he threw back-to-back-to-back changeups. For a 21-year-old to be able to do that, it's pretty amazing. His slider's been very good. Now, he's not going to wow you with overwhelming velocity on his fastball, but, it, but he commands the strike zone very well. And I think it kind of got away from him a little bit where he started not trusting his fastball. But I, I, I don't see that as an issue at all down the road. But I'm really happy where, where, where I see from him. Like, I, I was in love with him in spring training the way he threw and competed. And I really feel that same way right now, that he's got an incredibly bright future. Yeah, that's great to see some kind of the young talent get worked through the system and then eventually get brought up with the Angels organization and really contribute uh, as the season progresses. So we're going to take a little bit of a, a right turn a little bit, but when we interview guys or you know whether it's players or like like Trent Rush like my partner said before we like to kind of get to know the person that we're also interviewing so one of the questions i wanted to ask is while you were playing or maybe not even while you were playing maybe this, this happened after you were playing but when did you really start thinking about getting into the broadcasting um you know broadcasting uh, profession yeah, you know it really is a crazy story how this even developed into this where i'm at right now which you know i feel pretty blessed to be what i'm doing uh, you know, I used to mess around, obviously, as a starting pitcher. You got those four days in between starts and always mess around and, and pretending I'm, you know, Harry Callis. Because growing up in Philly, I was a big Harry Callis fan playing stickball at a schoolyard. It was like 17 of us every day playing stickball during the summer, even in the spring. And then we, you know, we're pretending we're announcing games. So that that's the one thing I thought, well, that'd be pretty cool to do. But, as you know, you, you know, you, I was fortunate enough to play as long as I did in the major league level. And, you know, I retired. I said, okay, let me, i got to figure out what I'm going to do next. And I started coaching high school baseball here in the San Fernando Valley at Chaminade High School. And, and lo and behold, I get a, a random call from Fox to audition for this baseball show called Baseball Today. It's kind of a takeoff of Baseball Tonight from ESPN. And I went in and did an audition, which I never had any experience whatsoever. Did it. And, you know, they said, hey, we'll call you later. I'm like, okay, the old call you later thing. And, and lo and behold, a few hours later, they called me and said, "Hey, can you be here tomorrow morning?" I'm like, "Really?" I thought it was—I thought it was a choke, actually. So here I am, I'm getting my first experience on live TV, 
doing stuff on, on, a, on a daily, four different time zones, five days a week, with really little to no experience. And I did start at my own radio show, you know, over at, at six ninety five seventy at that point called, uh, you know, it was basically a baseball show for on the weekend. And I, I learned a lot. I learned how to cut tapes and interview people. So I think my big, biggest thing to I, I tell everybody certainly on the on the radio side allows you a little more flexibility to to really hone your craft and, and learn a lot and really do more things that you thought you were capable of doing and that being you know setting up interviews and, and cutting tapes and doing all these things you know tv side you have somebody telling you you know to wrap it do all these things but you get to expand a little bit more on the radio side so doing both of those things really allow me to do what i'm doing right now now here's a follow-up question is that tape still out and can we get a hold of that, that audition tape <laughs> I don't I don't know if it's out there, but it was pretty funny. One of the first things I ever did in that job, I, I did this thing where I was at the Orange County uh, Convention Center where I was pretending I'm looking for a Troy Gloss, or no, I'm looking for my, I should say, my rookie card. Wow. And so many people at that point were asking me, are you Troy Gloss? I was like, no, 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 no. He's about 12, 13 years younger than I am, but I'm walking around, I'm interviewing people, and they're like, hey, you know this guy named Mark Gubazon? They're like, who the heck is that? I'm like, yeah, I don't know this guy either, but I'm looking for his rookie card. So it kind of had a lot of fun doing that. So I think that tape's out there somewhere, but uh, I'm hoping it's, it's hit it in some vault. But, uh, you know, you live and you learn. You know, obviously, you know, I work with some great people over there at, at Fox Sports where, you know, they really, you know, I had it in me to go in there and listen to both positive and, and negative criticism. And that, that's the only way you learn. I was always a guy that would ask a lot of questions. I did that when I was a player, and I certainly still do it to this day as far as the broadcasting side. Awesome. So you obviously a member of the Kansas City Royals, 1985 World Series champions, uh, teammates with a lot of great players. Who was your favorite teammate to play with or even just kind of, you know, shoot the bull with? Yeah, you know, that, that's, you know, that's one of those questions. I was just asked that recently. It's, when I was back in Kansas City during one of their pregame shows and, you know, the, the obvious easiest one, Brett Saberg and I, we were roommates and, you know, I came up to the big leagues. You know, Jeff Montgomery, who was a closer for us, we became incredibly good friends. Uh, you know, Bo Jackson, I, I had such a great relationship with, but, you know, I, I think for a guy that I learned so much from and, and being around and actually took me in to his place his first couple of years in my first couple of years in the big leagues was George Brett. I was his roommate and then he found us a place for Sabre Reagan and I to, to live in Kansas City my first year, then second year Sabre Reagan when I was already married that winter and then it was just myself. He brought me back in and helped me find another place. So I think I learned how to play the game. I learned how to have a passion for the game, really watching him on a daily basis, George the way he played. I mean he was as tough as nails, but yet he was great with the media, which I think I learned so much from because good and bad, you were ready just to have a conversation because that's their job. They're asking, why'd you make it out or why'd you make a bad pitch? You know, you're, if you stand there and be honest with them, every, you, you've developed some really good relationships with members of the media. And I think that's what's helped me transition into the, the job I'm in right now. So today, as we talk, it's Saturday the 21st, and the Angels game is being televised on the Big Fox, Net, Big Fox Network, and they've had games previously you know, on ESPN and also on FS1 to where you guys aren't calling the game. So when you aren't calling the game, do you still watch? Do you kind of get away from it because those days off are kind of far and few between? Or how do you, how do you deal with your off day now that you're a broadcaster? Yeah, you know, I love to say I'm the, I'm the world's most interesting guy. I'm, I'm, I'm going water skiing or something like that on these off days, but I still... I, it, it's in my blood, you know, and I, I enjoy so much what I'm doing that I'm, I'm watching the game as much as I could possibly watch it. 
you know, whether it's on Fox or ESPN or FS1, I, I, I generally don't miss anything. If I have to make, run an errand, I got my phone to be able to check and see all the games going. I mean, I have so many good friends, so many good relationships I have with the guys on this team that I'm, I'm always in contact with, you know, to see how they're doing. That way I'm prepared for tomorrow's game. Because if I, you know, while doing the game tomorrow, if I haven't seen anything, I'm, I'm relying on someone else's, you know, writing down or, or telling me what the game was about. I'd rather be able to see it with my own eyes. So I, I'll, I'll always watch games. Even the All-Star game, I, I managed to watch. I didn't have the sound of it. I was in a couple restaurants down there in Laguna Beach, but uh, I still managed to watch the game. And, I, and that way I have a pretty good idea what's going on. Okay, so... Right here at Halo Haven, we're kind of like a loose bunch. We like to ask kind of random questions. Any all our interview or interviewers or interviewees, I'm sorry, we've we've asked these kind of like ends, you know, this or that type of questions. And as we're recording this interview with you, uh, Gooby, we are wearing our Mark Gubazel rally mullets. Just so you're aware, <laughs> um, that's fantastic, by the way. So, uh, tacos or pizza? Pizza. I am a, an absolute pizza fanatic. I can have pizza every day. I literally can, with with a completely honest answer there. I can have pizza every day. Although I love tacos, but pizza is my all-time favorite. Is there a certain pizza place that you like, or just pizza in general? Uh, pizza in general, but uh, there's a place back in Philly called Alex's. But even when I'm in, you know, obviously, raised pizza while I'm in New York, I love thin crust. I'm on a big, huge, uh, you know, thick crust pizza like you see in Chicago, although I will eat it. I'm a I'm a thin crust guy. Okay, so uh, Netflix or do you game at all? Like a game? Uh, I, I don't game at all, but Netflix I do. I love Stranger Things. So okay, any any other any other series besides Stranger Things that you've kind of binge watched? Yeah, you, know, you know what? I'm trying to get there. My son's wearing me out on that. He says, "Dad, you gotta get you gotta get hip right now," and I'm I'm trying that stuff. So you know, I I, I got it all set up, but. You know, I'm getting there to that point. But like I said, during the season, it's really hard for me to do anything but watch baseball games because I watch all other games too, so I have an idea what those other players are doing. So this off season, I'm going to be really going hard as far as binge-watching on Netflix. All right, so we interviewed Nick Tropiano about a week back when he was doing his rehab starts, and he said the one, the best player on the team golf-wise was Mike Trout. Now I'm asking you, do you know who the best golf player is in the media side of the Angels? Oh, that's that's who. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. You know, I know Victor likes to play a little bit. He's a pretty good golfer himself. Uh, Ken French a little bit. Patrick O'Neill could play a little bit. You know, Mark Langston's good, but his knees are not quite as, as good as they used to be. So, But I would have to go if, if we had to uh, have a, go out for a round. And I haven't played as much as I used to. I used to play all right. Now my game is really tired, as a matter of fact. But I used to be able to drive the ball pretty far. Now if I find my ball off the tee box, I'm – I'm extremely happy, but I would probably go with Victor. Probably, I would probably win that. You know, uh, Daniel here is a is a semi avid golfer. I'm haven't golfed in a while. Um, any tips for me? You know what? The, the big thing is, as as all us hackers out on the golf course, we love to have you know swing, and, and we and we look up as soon as we see the make contact with the club head on the on the golf ball. Keep your head down for a while. That's the biggest thing. And and you know what? Have fun because if you get too serious, you know, because it's not moving the golf ball. It's like not like any other sport where you have to move and your your eyes got to be focused on the moving target. Golf ball is right there. Just make sure you keep your eye on the golf ball and have fun. Because you know what? You're going to be in the rough. You're going to be in the in the water. You're going to be in the sand. 
Just make sure you have a good foot wedge, too. Well, you know, the, the last, some waiters, the last time I actually was playing, you know, I lost a few clubs out there on, on the greens because I got mad and just chucked them and just left them there. But uh, right now my approach is probably just hit the ball hard or or is that a good approach or, I mean, I'm just going <laughs> that's, for like, it. that's like watching Major League just swing hard in case you hit it. Yeah, you know what, that's, that's what I feel in golf, too, just, you know, I figure if, if my club head speed is pretty good, that's all that matters. Because I say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, my club head speed is one of the best there is. And they'll say, well, why can't you ever find your ball after you make contact? I say, well, it doesn't matter. As long as I swing as hard as I can, I'll be all right. But, you know, like I said, golf is so much fun. Make sure you play with the right group. That is the key. Because if you have a bunch of guys that are really, like, totally intense, you want to enjoy yourself. Just have a good time with the guys you're out there with or girls, whatever it's going to be. And just have a blast because you know what? Get any day out on the golf course, in my opinion, is still one of the best days ever because just the tranquility up and on the greens, or in my case, trying to find my golf ball underneath a <laughs> tree or something, it's still the best. All right, thank you, Mark, for uh, taking some time out with us. Uh, like you said, you're a very busy man, but that, for you to actually take a time out and do an interview with us, uh, we really, really appreciate it. We love the work you do. We try to watch every game we can, and every once in a while we try to get together and watch a game. But uh, just want to thank you very much for taking time out uh, and talking with us. Absolutely. Guys, I really appreciate you guys do a great job. I'll tell you what, uh, I check out you guys quite a bit myself. This, you know what, I, I love the passion for Halo fans, and, and you know uh, we have so many great players. I just want to keep this team healthy one year and to see how good this team could put it together. So I really thought this was the case this year coming into camp, out of camp. Still plenty of time. Just one real quick nugget. When we won the World Series in Kansas City in, in 85, we were seven games back after the All-Star break. We opened up a, with a five-game set because we had a couple of rainouts in New York. We lost all five, and we won the World Series. So that will give you hope that there's still a chance. Awesome. Now, before we let you go, we want to get you on our rally bus. I don't know if you've seen our rally bus on our uh, social media sites, on Twitter, on Instagram, but... If we take our rally bus out there, we'll we'll, uh, we'll try to get you on there. How, how does that sound? Yeah, you know what? I'll go on that for sure. Awesome. Well, we love you, Gooby. We appreciate everything. Thank you very much. You got it, guys. Have a good one. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. And that was the Gooby interview that we had Saturday uh, morning. Again, thank you, Mark Gubaza, uh, for taking the time out. And me and Chris were kind of talking while the interview was playing. That was like a 22-minute interview as I'm looking at the computer right now. We were just looking to get maybe a good, you know, 10 minutes out of him. And I was hoping for five. Right. And he was telling us all sorts of stories, you know, about growing up in Philly. Yeah, it was it was, it was awesome. You know, it was awesome. To become, you know, get into yeah, broadcasting and, and like, after his playing career. And like he said, though, they, they struggled coming out of the All-Star break. And they were like nine, seven games back. And they were able to win the World Series. So... A little different time nowadays, but maybe if the uh, yeah, get we on the streak, like fifteen. Yeah, but you know, we're only ten back right and now. Then we come out and we only, get only no hit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're yeah. saying there's a chance. But I'm telling you, there's a chance. Exactly. All right. That's all that matters. Yeah, it was, a, it was a kind of a you know kind of a cool thing growing. You know, you know, I was born in '82, just coming you know of age. You know, getting into baseball, like fully into card collecting. The you know the mid to late '80s. And then getting to, you know, hear a guy like Mark Gubaza, who I remember, I think it was his 1991 Upper Deck card, 
where he had that mullet when he played for the Royals, and him talking about his perfect days mullet the Royals with George Brett. I mean, these are all those big time dude, huge, huge names. And he's like, oh yeah, I lived with him, and he was my roommate for years. I mean, that to me is crazy. And for people that don't know, um, Kansas City Royal Hall of Famer did you heard in the interview won the World Series in '85. Um, so regardless of you know, obviously not a long time Angel played one year with the Angels, but still a guy that knows what he's talking about. To wear about. the periwinkle uniform, so that's all that one's for you, John Periwinkle. That and one's for also, you. Also. Um, I mean, when you think of the team, I mean, who are the people that are, have been around all these years? Not the players. You have Sosha and then you have the broadcasters. Yeah, Gubaza. Gubaza. Gooby. I mean, yeah. some of those guys, and you also have Terry Smith and, and, and personalities like that. Yep. But the players come to and meet. go, but some of these guys stick around. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, I wish, uh, you know, Hudler and Steve Fiziak can come back. But I'll tell you what. I was there for those years, and Hudler always talked about the Exmo, which was uh, the slow-mo version that they used to throw up. And trust me, Gooby and Rojas are 100 times better. Yeah, I, I would I would absolutely agree with you on that. So moving on, we have a poll question every week on our Halo Haven Twitter account, Halo underscore Haven. Um, Post it every Monday. Try to get their vote. It runs from Monday afternoon, Monday morning to um, whenever we're doing the podcast. So, you know, if today was Thursday. Um, so this week's poll question, it worked perfectly with everything that's going on uh, today. Trade deadline. Angels going to be buyers, sellers, or are they going to stay packed? Um, 43% picked sell, 23% picked buy, and then 34% picked stay packed. Where would you um, where would you go in this uh, poll? What, what do I think they should do? Or what what, no, yeah. What would you think? I mean, obviously you think they're going to sell now, but on Monday, what, would you, what was your mindset? Did you think they were going to buy? Did you think they are going to sell? Did you think they are just going to stay with what they have? I thought they were going to kind of stay with what they had. Maybe add another arm or something of that sort, but I, I didn't expect uh, Maldonado being moved. Just not one position I felt like that we were going to right. load. I thought it'd be like maybe a little bit bigger name, like Cole Calhoun starting to turn on the. You know, there's always a lot of people asking about Calhoun, so. But I, don't know. I didn't think Calhoun just because of his contract situation. Maldonado made perfect sense in the aspect that he is going to be a free agent at the end of the year. Um, there was no really reports coming out that they had any intent on re-signing them after the year. So that made a uh, perfect segue to our emailers. And um, in our emails, we'll talk about the Maldonado trade. So first email from Daniel Ortega. Well, I can't say I'm super surprised at what has happened with the Halos after the All-Star break, but really losing games to the uh, White Sox. Sad to see this offense struggle so bad. All it needs is a little more consistency, and I think this team would be okay. People really need to stop blaming the pitching staff. Bottom line, this offense is terrible. Um, what do you think about that, Chris? That the offense is terrible? Yes. <laughs> well, they just uh, put up you know quite a bit of runs these last two games. So it, they, they have the potential. It's just about clicking at the same time. And, yeah, I don't. Th- I wouldn't say they're terrible. I said they're inconsistent. They have definitely opportunity to be good. It just have to be at a more consistent basis. All right, uh, next one. Hello uh, from Rob, uh, Rob Lastings. Hello, guys. Great interview with Trent Rush. The guy sure knows his angel baseball and some an awesome instant interview with Eris from the 66ers. Looks like it's going to have looks like it's going to have to make my way to the Inland Empire to check out a game. Definitely have to try to do that. As uh, I am typing this, re- this reports are coming in that the angels traded away Maldonado. 
Well, well, he's a free agent at the end of the season. Anyhow, so the move makes sense. Is it fair to say that Maldi uh, did way better in Halo's uniform than anyone expected? 100%. When, when I first got news uh, when they, with the Jet Bandy trade with Maldonado, um, kind of heard his name, but not really didn't really think too much about it. He but, was a backup in but, middle, uh, uh, Milwaukee, so yeah. it wasn't like he was a starter when the Angels got him. You know, he's a veteran, and then when he came over to the Angels, and he, I mean, last year – my goodness, defensively. And then uh, what I really appreciated about him is he was down to back pick at first base. And, you know, sometimes he's a little bit over anxious to do that. And he <laughs> threw the ball down the line or kind of scared you. Or you have a guy on third base and you're throwing the, trying to back pick. But, um, yeah, he, I think he exceeded expectations 100%. Oh, definitely. And then for people that don't know yet that haven't got the information or maybe not the full information, Martin Maldonado was traded this morning to the Astros. In return, the Angels get some um, – international spending money um but the big thing they get back was a left-handed pitcher named robert or not robert patrick sandoval a 20 21 year old in high a um is making his way to inland empire as we speak to pitch uh just got just talked a little bit with some uh 66er people before we started the podcast he will be the starting pitcher for them sunday um, when they're at San Jose, so he'll be making his 66er okay, debut. He's a, he's a local kid too, I believe. He's from uh, Orange County. Yeah, Mission. He's from Mission Viejo. Um, so far this season, he has a 9-1 record, a 2.56 ERA, 88, in, 88 innings pitched, 65 strikeouts, 15 Ks, and already. I looked him up. He wasn't even in the top 30 for the Astros, but since the trade has already become the Angels' 21st prospect, so it shows where. Um, he ranks with the Angels and how Angels do need more depth. We always talked about their top end is really, really well represented in the top 100. Now you have uh, Adele, you have Marsh, you have Canning, and you have uh, Jemai all in the top 100. So again, um, those guys are still kind of a few years away, and this guy's 21 years old, and now he's Angels number 21 prospect. So again, um, they're getting better depth. So I, I don't mind and, the trade yeah, at all. Again, I mean, you look at all the social media, you know posts and all that good stuff today with Maldonado. Yeah, sad to see any guy go. Uh, we start to treat a lot of these guys like family. I see him as that. But a guy like Maldonado was only here about, you know, see a little more than a season and a half. And um, we're, we're not really, I mean, losing a ton by having, you know, Brasino take over. And I think Brasino actually has more power than Maldonado. Or even Francisco Garcia, home run yeah, today. Obviously, yeah. Four RBIs. First time an Angel on their de- debut to hit f- four RBIs. So, I meant... Yeah, I, I like the move. I mean, I, I mean, I like the move. The I, guy's walking at the end of the season. So. Yeah, so you have to get him something for, you know, or are you just going to lose him completely? Um, so, I, I like the move. People were complaining that Maldi is this, Maldi is that. Maldi had a great great year at last year with his golden glove and everything i do think him playing so many reps hurt him i think um so many days in a row hurt him you saw at the end of last year that he was struggling um honestly i think the angels probably used used him up and i don't see him being that great moving forward he did kind of take a step back this year defensively so um I think the Astros are just looking for that postseason run. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a rental. They're just yeah, they're just trying to get some depth in their you know with the catching position. We were talking about Evan Gaddis, El Blanco Oso, the White Bear. <laughs> he's he's a you know he he'll catch a little bit, and then also McCann. 
So just to have another catcher, um, especially a defensive catcher that could really, um, you know, change a game. Yeah, defensively, he's going to be the guy. Yeah, defensively. I think that's what they're looking at. He might not even get too many, um, you know, reps out there with the Astros. Yeah, considering he's just going to be. Yeah, considering he's just going to be a rental, he doesn't necessarily need to be um, the guy. They're going to be. Yeah, and then too, you can't expect Angels to get a whole lot because of the rental status of it. But moving on, um, Lamar Washington. Big news of the day has to be Maldi moving to Houston. I say good move. Get something for him while you can. It's funny to see all these quote-unquote angel fans being all upset and calling this a horrible trade. It's actually very funny to read. Good for Maldi. He gets to play in October. Yeah, and kind of like what we were saying too is that um, we get to see Maldi now in the postseason, kind of like Cameron Mabin was last year. But um, it's good for him to move on. Angels get something in return. I think it's a very, very positive yeah, move. And, and Maldonado put out a really nice Instagram post just thanking the Angel faithful for, you know, just their support over the last year and a half. And um, and what do you think? Do you think uh, Maldonado's kind of pretty jazzed to be moving to a, a first-place team that was, you know, that, that are reigning world champions? I meant. I think if you asked him, you know, off the record, he's probably pretty psyched. Yeah, probably. I mean, anytime you get put in a situation where you're going to be on a team that's favorite to win the World Series and you just got better, that's not just killing it right now. Yeah, so I mean, sure, good for him. If he wins a ring out of it, good. Let me ask you a question because I saw a lot of feedback about this online. How do you feel about trading interdivision, trading, a, you know, a starter of yours or whatever with? Uh, or to a team that's in your division, do you like it? Do you not like it? Or how do you I, feel about it? I don't it? know how you could actually like that um, because every time I, you know, they always come back to to. It always comes back to bite us. Look at like a Napoli. Every time we play the Rangers, Napoli's gonna, you know. Yeah, but Maldonado is isn't or this or that. I guess Maldonado is different because so he's much. he's not gonna be on the team next year, yeah, more than likely, you know, unless they resign him or whatever. No, I'm saying, oh yeah, but yeah, I mean, we're gonna play them a little bit more, but I I, I don't like it, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, if it was like a, a marquee player, like if you traded like say like a trout within the well, division, yeah, I mean like that that that, that, that like, ah, the secondary pieces like doesn't matter. The knife a little bit deeper. Like, like another I, inch. Dude. Like I don't even care. They can send it to whoever you want. Inner division, outer division. The whole idea is to get the team better. And if that that if that is through Houston's farm system, guess what? This guy that's you're trading to Houston is walking more than likely at the end of the year. But you still take a little bit out of the uh, organization against Houston. So in a way, you kind of come up because now this guy that they get Patrick Sullivan, he's going to be with the Angels now. Yeah, I've got you. And the Houston's not going to have him. So again, you're kind of taking away. Something from them long term. Yeah. yeah. So um, make trades. I don't care if it's with Houston, Texas, Oakland, whatever. If it's the best trade out there, it's the best trade out there. Now, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way and do it with an inner division if it's just to do it. But if it's the best thing you have, you have to go for it. And now you're seeing it too with the Yankees getting people from the Blue Jays and getting people from the Baltimore um, Orioles. So for everyone that's out there saying, oh, well, no, no one does it. No one does it. Yankees did it twice in a week. So I, I mean, I don't see the the. Yeah, I uh, guess it's like if you, uh, I guess I'll put it in these uh, in life terms, if uh, your girlfriend broke up with you and then she went to your like, you know, she moved on to your best friend or something like that. Yeah, but I'm not friends. But I'm not moving on to some random person. But we're not friends. But we're not friends with with Houston. But it hurts a little bit more, right? No, because I'm going to go and try get another girl. Oh, <laughs> I don't care. Sorry, terrible analogy. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, that's the Maldonado trade. Again, um, Patrick Sullivan, 21-year-old out of Mission Viejo High School, um, coming to the Inland Empire 66ers to start Sunday afternoon at San Jose. Um, 
so that's going to wrap it up for us. Again, if you want to send your emails, it is the all angels podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Halo Haven on Instagram and on Twitter at Halo underscore Haven on both social networking sites. Um, we have some big news that you want you might want to uh, announce on the podcast. But again, if you follow us on our social media, you already know about this announcement. We get this question a lot. When can we see the rally bus? And now we know where. Yeah, this this kind of developed uh, out of our you know actually out of our guest last week when we had Eris from the Sixty Sixers uh, promotion team on the podcast. We were kind of shooting it around. Hey, uh, when can we get the rally bus inside the stadium, not in the parking lot, inside the gates? Of San Manuel Stadium, yes, and he said, "Yeah, I work on it." Anyways, um, on the and on August 11th, which is the Mike Trout Wall Catch, yeah, just you know, this happens to be on like a little bit luster to it. This happens to be on one of the most popular games they're gonna have all year because of that. Yeah, probably the you know the you know biggest crowd that they'll see all year will be on that day, and so we're gonna have the rally bus um, within the the compound of San Manuel Stadium. And so um, fans can come uh, meet us uh, if they want to. <laughs> but we will be, you know, giving out our typical Halo Haven swag, which is, you know, Angels related. Yep. Probably do something to commemorate Mike Trout's uh, tenure with the 66ers last year. But it will be here. Never when we were working on the bus, you know, painting it, uh, sanding it, or when I was purchased off Craigslist. Did we ever think that it would be within? No, never. At a stadium, and that we'd be welcomed and be a featured guest. So, um, very exciting news there. So, hope to see you out yeah. at San Manuel Stadium supporting the 66ers baseball team. Yes, exactly. Just like you said, Rally Bus, San Manuel Stadium, San Bernardino, 66ers versus Lake Elsinore Storm, uh, August 11th. Um, if you have never been here and you want to try to get the bobblehead, Get here early. Um, they, they said they have 1,500. Yeah. I think it was one of the first times they so, actually ever said what the supplies yeah. were. Get here early. Game starts at 7, I believe. Let me double check it. because uh, Sometimes I, at 6. That's five, what I'm double checking. But anyways, get here early. And I'm saying like 2. Like 2.30. Yeah. 2.30. Bring a lawn chair. Bring a lunch. You know what? Um, and just talk to people in line. We actually, yeah. I hate to say it, we actually were talking to a girl that was a hardcore Dodgers Six fan, o'clock. but super cool. Um, but it really, it really made the time fly by yeah. a little bit better. Bring friends, bring family. Yeah, it does make time go by. Six o'clock start, which means the gates will open at five o'clock. Um, but like Chris said, you might want to get here around two o'clock just to get in line. Bring a lunch, bring a lawn chair, bring a little umbrella. When it starts getting close, you can someone will save your spot online go put it back in the car but get here early again august 11th mike trout wall catch bobblehead at Ellen empire 66er um sam Manuel stadium so be here we will be here we'll be giving out uh giveaways um a brandon marsh signed photo will be one of them um we're going to figure out a way to do it uh in the stadium so you have to be here it's not going to be something we're going to uh email you or not email you but mail it to you you got to be here we're going to have some instructions to uh to follow when you're here and make sure you follow us on halo underscore haven on both twitter and on instagram yeah one one last big shout out to steve went who uh, does all the broadcasting uh, pr guy everything PR. he does all sorts of stuff at uh for the 66ers uh, baseball team uh he was gracious enough to always uh open up space in the broadcast booth so we're actually sitting in the visitors broadcast yes. booth. so we're, we're big time in it today 
Um, and it just makes you know, it makes you feel like you made it. And um, thanks to Steve, you could follow him on Twitter at Steve underscore Went. That's W E N D T. He always puts a lot of angels uh, and facts out there, and he communicates with other you know beat writers and things of that sort. So make sure you give him a follow. Yeah, absolutely. And again, um, that's going to wrap it up for this week's uh, All Angels podcast. Um, big thanks to 66ers again for letting us literally crash the party and just chill inside one of their uh, press boxes. Uh, thanks to uh, Mark Gubaza for taking time out to do the interview. Thank you, Joe Adele, for uh, taking time for talking about the Futures game. He was a representative there at. Um, but big thanks to everyone that makes this uh, possible. We'll be back next week, I believe, with uh, Johnny Mags. We'll be back, uh, and we'll be back to normal. So, again, uh, I am Dan Garcia. I'm Chris Johnson. And we will see you later. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? 
Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.